What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? So the first week without any football to really talk about, except the XFL starting. So I think that's where we're going to start off. It'll be like a NFL rundown that Nick usually does, but XFL. Now, we don't know if that's going to continue throughout. We have to see how XFL actually goes, but I'll hand it off to Nick. Uh, sure, yeah, just right before I go into the XFL, I just wanted to say, in terms of NFL news, obviously not that much going on. The Super Bowl just ended. Uh, parades happening, players going on vacation, yada, yada. Uh, two main things coming out of the NFL this week are going to be, number one, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are looking like they're getting into some some contract talks. Um, we should expect to see uh, Patrick Mahomes become the highest played paid football player in NFL history as well as the highest paid quarterback. Um, you know, up, he could be making upwards of $40 million a year. And I, I personally do think it's well-deserved. Um, and we should see, in my opinion, which I forget who said this, or I, or I saw it off of, we're, we're probably going to see a shift in, in the um, in the in the NFL. You know, from the past, I don't know how many years, it's been Brady's league. Uh, you know, teams have, uh, you know, players rather um, have taken pay cuts just to be with Brady and win championships. Mm. And, and it makes sense, right? You want to win championships. Um, you know, you want to you want to have uh, you know a good career, and hopefully, it'll make you more money in the long run. But you know, Brady's kind of dying out. He's he's forty two now. He's starting. He's getting ready to retire. Um, so we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see a shift. Players are gonna want to play with Patrick Mahomes. He might be the next Brady in the next dynasty. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes really is that good. Yeah. Uh, do you have any comments about that, Brian? Um, well, I'll be happy when the NFL stops focusing around Tom Brady. But Patrick Mahomes is that type of player. Um, and I mean, there is like this next, next generation of quarterbacks that I was worried about wouldn't happen again. I mean, like the, uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Tony Romo, all those great quarterbacks. Um, but it's happening again. There's Lamar Jackson, there's Patrick Mahomes, um, Josh Allen, hopefully Sam Darnold. Um, there's just another generation that's changing the league, which will be exciting. 100%. Um, you know, and going off of that, the secondary piece to the NFL news was uh, Tom Brady. Um, it seems like, from what I'm gathering in terms of intel around the league, you know, different sources, um, just from what I've been reading through, it seems like Tom Brady is getting closer and closer to a deal. Mm. It seems as if his top two teams right now are going to be the LA Chargers and New England Patriots, and those are probably the only two teams he's going to sign with. Mm. LA because it's LA. Um, they have a good roster, they have money to give him. It makes sense. But at the same time, I ultimately believe he's going to go back to the Patriots. You know, regardless of the money, Tom Brady's made his money. It just, he's been with the Patriots his entire career. I just, I can't see him going anywhere else. If he does go anywhere else, it's it's going to be a huge shock to the to the sports world, in For my sure, opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that kind of covers the NFL stuff. Uh, so, going on to the XFL, uh, we have a new football league that started uh, yesterday on Saturday. Uh, February 8th, 2020. Um, this has been in the works since 2018. Uh, Steve McMahon is the chairman, also, I believe, the founder slash owner slash CEO. Um, he's in total control of the league. He's the one who founded it. He's the one who, I guess, put in financial support um, for it to start it. It's been in the works since 2018. We've had our first uh, games this weekend. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, I, do I ever, just, just to get this right off the bat, do I ever think it's going to be the NFL? Absolutely not. 
Um, what I hope the XFL could be, and in terms of what the AAF should have been, is like almost as a, a AAA for the NFL, a, a, a place where players who want to make it to the NFL can really show off their talents and not have to go to Canada or some other country. You know, because every other league, I mean, from from soccer to hockey to baseball, um, the basketball, they have they have some lower lower affiliate, whether it be the G League, the AAA. Um, you know, scouting teams, whatever it may be, these other sports they have team they have teams where players can play. You know, work on their game, try to get better, as well as get looks in terms of so, to get called up or for actual teams to sign them. So I'm hoping that's what the XFL can turn out to be. Um, in terms of the X- XFL, I think it's been pretty good so far. Um, I just want to go through the teams real quick. Um, so in terms of the teams, we have the Dallas Renegades, the Houston Roughnecks. The LA Wildcats, the New York Guardians, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Seattle Dragons, Tampa Bay Vipers, and the DC Defender Defenders. Um, in terms of the teams, I really like that there's there's a uh, St. Louis team. Um, you know, since since the Rams aren't in St. Louis, it used to be the St. Louis Rams. They haven't had a football team for quite some time. Um, so, so now you have you have the the Battlehawks there, and I think the Seattle Dragons is also a good spot. Um, because I feel like Seattle, they don't really have an NBA team. Yeah. So the fact, you know, the more strategically putting, I think when McMahon and whoever, whoever's on his chair, decided to put these teams where they were, I think they're they're all really really intentional, and there's a lot of purpose to where they put them. Um. So I think Seattle and it's places like St. Louis, they lack, you know, sports teams. So you know, getting as much fans as possible, either where, where places lack you know the proper, or I wouldn't say the proper amount, but you know, viable sports for people to watch and, and gain get attention to. And it's also in places like Houston, L.A., New York, you know, Dallas. These places are are almost guaranteed to that garner some attention just because of the populations there and, and the fandoms that are created there. Um, so those are the teams. Um, I think it's pretty interesting in terms of, of the variety of teams that there are. Um, in terms of the players in the league, there's a lot of most of the players consist of former Division One athletes, uh, former NFL pros, people that were in the Canadian League and all over the country. Um, they're all trying to make their, their spot in the XFL. Um, list of examples: There's Cardale Jones, who was a great quarterback for Ohio State, and then he didn't do so well, and he got taken over. Um, I forget who's who's it by um, at this point. Remember Justin Fields. I don't remember, but um, he's in the league. Landry Jones, who just recently played for the Steelers, is in the league. Um, you know, there's a lot of good talents in the league. There's Sean Oakman. If you guys remember, there was memes about him. He was like the seven foot, the end out of Oregon. A couple of years back, he uh, got hit with sexual assault allegations. Long story short, he was found not guilty. Um, so now he's trying to pave his way back into professional football. I think he has a lot of talent, and he was just put in the wrong situation, and now he's, he's hopefully finding a way to get XFL. So in terms of like what the XFL and the structures in terms of teams and players. You know, it should be a pretty good league to watch. You know, the entertainment might not be as good as the NFL, but it's still pretty good. It's some again, as I said, if it's secondary to the NFL, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, in terms of how it's structured, in terms of play, I think the XFL is, in, in my opinion, is is a soft spot for audiences. It's like everything that people want to see in football today, they're doing. So, um, in terms of like big hits. The refs so far, in terms of the games that we've seen so far, they're pretty lenient on big hits. Not and, and not every call like if there's a holding on the opposite side of the field, they're not going to call it. It's only if it really affects the play. You know, uh, big hits. Not every big hits called for a penalty. Um, in terms of the rule changes, there's a difference in the PAT rules as well as the 
kickoff rules, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so just again, different rule changes. Again, it's pretty interesting. Um, I also think most importantly out of everything, the XFL is going to be different in terms of, if you guys remember the AAF, um, it was a, it was kind of a league like XFL that kind of died out. And ultimately the AAF died out because it didn't have long-term funding. All the sources say, viable sources say around the X, um, the XFL is that XFL is not only has resources to pay players now and rent out stadiums and do whatever they're doing, they're also going to have money in the long term. So when it comes to paying long term contracts, you know, this league, uh, the way that Steve McMahon and, and I guess I'm assuming he does have any chair, it would be pretty hard to do it by himself. Uh, the way they built the league is it, it, it seems like it's going to long, last long term. It, it's built for for stability rather than just an experiment. Um, and I think it is it is very structured pretty well in terms of. Uh, it's, it's getting a lot of good media coverage. They've done well in terms of, of you know marketing it to people. It's on your 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 main channels, your ESPN, your ABC, your, you know your Fox. So they've got those deals set in. So it's again, it seems like it's set up for long long term success. It seems like they have the right players and pieces in place. So I hope it does well. I hope it turns out to be like a AAA, whatever it may be for the NFL. Um, so I'll have to see where it goes from there. If you guys want to know the games that happened today, there was the Seattle Dragons versus the DC Defenders. The DC Defenders won 31 to 19. I couldn't name who these players are yet. So, you know, I, I didn't actually watch these games because I was busy with something. But, um, you know, a lot of these players are not players that we know as of right now. Um, so we'll have to see how good versus not good players are uh, over time. Uh, the LA Wildcats played the Houston Roughnecks. The Roughnecks won 37 to 17. Yeah, the New York Guardians versus the Tampa Bay Vipers. Um, New York Guardians won 23 to three. And the Seattle, uh, St. Louis Battlehawks played the Dallas Renegades and the Battlehawks won 15 to nine. Uh, so those are your scores for today. Um, so I guess there's one, two, three, four, five, six, eight teams so far. I'm sure, you know, if the F- XFL is able to sustain some long, some version of long-term success. There will be new franchises popping up over time, and I also think you know, on top of everything else, the fact that arena football died out this year it adds to the the viability that this league may have. You know, there's, there's that's another set. There's another pool of fans right there. It's another pool of players, um, rest, uh, you know, places that aren't being taken up by arena football games. You know, so you know, there's a lot of there's a high ceiling for this XFL. I feel like, and, and I feel like they have a pretty stable floor. So we'll have to see where it goes. Uh, Brian, do you have any comments? Um, not really. There's, I didn't watch the game, so I really don't have anything to... I'm trying to think. Yeah, no. Anything? That makes sense. <laughs> um, so I guess that covers all our NFL slash XFL rules for today. Um, do you want to do the MLB next, Brian? Sure, we can do that. Um, or to baseball. Yeah, so... Really not a lot baseball stuff to talk about. The only thing that really came out this week was more updates with the Houston Astros cheating scandal. Um, So through investigation, they found out that they had this whole system that was called Code Breaker. um, That was actually set up by an intern in 2017 who's now, I think, I had the article pulled up, but I forgot it. But so... He created this uh, analytical type thing through Excel spreadsheets that was basically looked at pitching sequences and when pitches were called, how they were called, and stuff like that. And Jeff Lunho at the time was like in these meetings and everything, so he knew about it. And th- through more investigation, 
Jeff Lonho said that he never thought that Codebreaker is actually going to be used in games or in some form, whether it be like hitting trash cans or stuff like that. He was he didn't know that that was how all this was going to go at, go through. However, the intern, which I wish I knew his name, um, said that he did know, and there were reports that he like would often like say to like people that were looking through analytics for the Astros and everything, are you guys code breaking and stuff like that. Um, so it is an interesting situation. The intern is like pretty high up in the organization right now, and I'm surprised he wasn't like fired or something, but I guess you can only really fire as many people as possible. I mean, I guess that's what they were thinking. Um, but yeah, it's just really an update of the Astros cheating scandal and how continuous and, um, in depth it went in this, in their organization. Any comments? Um, yeah. Uh, so for, you know, for starters, the reason they didn't fire the intern was because his name didn't pop up in the news yet. And since mm. I, if his news, if his name is known, he's going to get fired. At the end of the day, the past, Astros are just going to try and PR control at this point. Um, I, anything they can do to save their reputation. And ultimately, I think it's pretty obvious that the entire organization knew about it from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's this widespread, everybody knows about it, or at least the players knew somewhat about it. And it's ultimately pretty disgusting that the Astros took part in this. I mean, the, the, the amount of cheating that they did, uh, it's just, it's not good for the game of baseball. And just the, the more information that comes out about it, it seems to get worse and worse. I just saw an interview, what was it yesterday, with like Michael Kay. Um, I forget who the other people were there. They're interviewing Gary Sanchez, and apparently Ceases Bathia, Gary Sanchez, these are the two that I know of, have spoken that they feel like they were robbed in the playoffs in 2017, as well as, you know, they're interested to find out whether they cheated this year as well. Um, so, they, you know, they're, they're, it's just, it, it seems like it, Astros are in a deep hole, and who knows how, how long and how long they've been cheating and if they cheated this year. Um, you know, so far, obviously, there hasn't been enough evidence at all to say that they've had the actual buzzers this year, mm-hmm. but who, who knows, honestly. Yeah, I found the article. So, actually, the intern is named. His name's Derek Vigoa. He currently mm-hmm. works as the Astros Senior Manager of Team Operations, which I assume would be a pretty high-up situation, uh, position. So that's interesting. I mean, the article doesn't say that he was fired or anything, but I would be surprised if he isn't. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if his name hits... Uh, you know, the major news sources, ESPN, it really starts to spread. I think the Astros will fire him. Mm-hmm. Again, it's all about that PR control. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so next we'll talk about NBA. Um, obviously, the trade deadline happened last week. No, this this week. I don't know. Thursday, I think. Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, meat, the meat and potatoes, baby. The meat and yeah. potatoes of the podcast this week. <laughs> um, do you want to do the Rockets trade first? And Because that was basically the first trade. Oh, sorry. I, I, I say we go through every single trade yeah. and work it through that way. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a list of all the trades here. Oh, um, so I actually made it. So the first trade that we have in terms of the trade deadline, we have February 5th. We had a four-team trade. The biggest, uh, the, I feel like it's the most, this is the biggest trade, I believe, in the NBA in terms of how many players removed in, I can't remember how many years. Hmm. Uh, I think it's like 20 or whatever it was. So, you know, this is pretty unprecedented. You know, a trade this this magnitude doesn't happen that often. Um, so, again, 14 trades. There were 12 players moved, and I think there was a couple picks moved as well. I don't know how many picks in terms of numbers. Uh, so, starting off, we have the Hawks. 
The Hawks in this trade received Clint Capella from the Rockets, and as well as they, they received Nene from the Rockets, um, which I believe they are going to waive him if they haven't already. Um, so that's that. Uh, the Nuggets received Shabazz Napier. The Nuggets received uh, from the Wolves, the Timberwolves. Uh, they also received uh, forward Kita Bates Diop from the Wolves. They received forward Gerald Green from the Rockets, who who I think they might wave as well. And the Rockets might sign back, hopefully. Uh, I like him for the Rockets as a Rockets fan, obviously. Um, the Nuggets also received uh, center slash forward Noah Vonleh from the Bulls, as well as they got the, a 2020 first-round pick from the Rockets. <clears throat> um, uh, moving on to the Rockets, the Rockets received Jordan Bell, who they later traded, but we'll get into that, uh, who's a center slash forward from the Timberwolves. Uh, the Rockets, who this is the main piece that was, that was trying to be acquired in this entire trade, is Robert Covington forward from the Wolves. Um, he's averaging like 12 points a game, 6.6 rebounds on the Wolves this year, so <laughs> he's pretty good. Uh, and then finally, the Timberwolves received uh, guard Malik Beasley from the Nuggets, uh, guard forward Evan Turner from the Hawks, forward Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Nuggets, forward Jared Vanderbilt from the Nuggets, and the 2020 first-round picks uh, from the Hawks via the Nets. So uh, ultimately, in this trade, <clears throat> going through each team, uh, the Hawks getting Capella, I think it's really big for them. Um, I think that it's really going to help Trey Young. That team has been struggling pretty badly this year, and I, I think they might. You might see a quick turnaround from the Hawks here, right? If the Hawks continue to tank and get a good draft pick, they'll have Trey Young, they'll have Capella, they'll be able to pick up another player. That's a pretty. That's going to be a solid top three if they draft right, and it, it could be. You know, they could be in position to really turn the their franchise around. So. I think it's a really good trade for the the Hawks. I'm really sad the Rockets let Capella go. I was a big fan of him. Hard worker, you know. Uh, he didn't always get as many points or as much playing time, I think, as he deserved, just because of how the Rockets are structured. We're such a three point centric team, as well as you know Harden and Westbrook are so ball dominant. So Capella never really saw the rise that I think the Rockets fans and I think the entire NBA was seeing out of him. Um, you know, if, he, if they're not going to put put him in a high usage rate, then you're not going to really see him expand as a player. Ultimately, so that is the Hawks. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, so going on the Nuggets, I think Shabazz Napier is a solid guard. Keita Bates Diop is, is is decent too. Uh, they said Gerald Green's pretty good, but it seems like they're going to waive him. Uh, Norvon Lay is pretty decent. So it's, it's a solid three players that they're going to get um, in terms of their bench. I think most importantly, they got the twenty twenty first round pick. Um, you know, the Nuggets can do a lot with that pick. You know, I think they have a good amount of talent right now, but they are missing a couple pieces. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola Jokic, the Joker. They have a lot of good talent there, so I think them acquiring that pick is pretty good. And ultimately, the Nuggets didn't really give away anything in this trade. They gave away Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Juan uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, ultimately for first-round picks. So those players, you know, they weren't key parts of that franchise as well as they didn't get that much playing time. So the fact that they were able to – Nuggets are essentially facilitators in this trade. They weren't didn't take a, a huge part of it. So the fact that they were able to get a first-round pick out of it was pretty good for them. Um, the Rockets, they received Jordan Bell, who's been abysmal for the team of Wolves so far. Uh, it was pretty much a terrible trade, and that's why they got rid of him again. The Rockets got a 2024 second-round pick, which is pretty much useless. You can't do much with that. And then you got Robert Covington, who I think is a pretty solid forward. He's a good 3 and D guy, but I don't feel like that's, that was the Rockets' most essential need right now. Um, especially now that the Rockets no longer have a center on the team, and they're planning to play small ball with 6'5". P.J. Tucker at center. I, I don't know why the Rockets are doing this. I don't think it's going to work out long-term. I'm really upset by it. But that's the Rockets. I, ultimately, I think the Rockets are the biggest loser. I think they're the only loser out of this trade. 
Um, so that that's their that's their trade. And then the Timberwolves, they got Malik Beasley. He's a solid guard. Evan Turner, who I think is going to be pretty good for them. Uh, Watcher Fernando Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, and a 2020 first round pick. Uh, so that, that that pile of players, I'm not sure if they got traded for the D'Angelo Russell trade that happened later. I'm going to have to see. I, all I know is like the main players who got traded in that D'Angelo Russell trade. I'll have to see if they got traded. I know this trade doesn't involve the Rockets. Um, I think that 2020 first round pick's big for them. Uh, the Timberwolves are really going to try and turn this franchise around. Ultimately, uh, with these 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 good bench players, and I forget who got traded where, but ultimately with the Timberwolves acquiring D'Lo and having Cat and this 2020 first round pick, as well as the first round pick they are already going to have, and um, I think the the Timberwolves could really have a jump start to, to their franchise. Because ultimately, I think that when Devin Booker his contract expires, so they, they decide to trade him. I think he's going to want to go to the Timberwolves, and they're going to form a three-team, uh, three uh, three-person duo, uh, trio, rather, between D'Lo, Devin Booker, and Cat. And I think they're going to use those two first-round picks to probably fill that shooting guard and power forward. Or, you know, if they want to play Devin, uh, Devin Booker at the two and pick up a small forward power forward, do they round out the roster? You know, I think the Timberwolves can be in a really good spot to, um, to really improve their roster. You know, the NBA is in a state right now where, like, no team's really dominant like the Warriors. I think the NBA's in a really healthy position where teams that are, like, on the verge of being good can really turn around their franchise with the right coach and, like, one extra draft pick. Yeah. Uh, the NBA is really exciting right now because there's no one team dominant, and, like, this trade really accentuates that. So and I think this is a pretty cool trade. Unfortunately, the Rockets did take the big fat hell on it. Uh, Brian, do you have any comments? Um, not really, but... What I did want to say off your last point, it is interesting. Like, last year, I thought the NBA was at, like, one of its worst positions because, like, mm-hmm. all it was was whoever had the most stars on their team, and it was like, you had to have three stars to really do anything. But with the Warriors breaking up, it seemed to, like, open up everything. And now, like, you don't even really need two stars to really vie for a championship. You needed like, one star and then a lot of good role players. Even though there are teams with two stars, but like I like the state of the NBA as well. Mm-hmm. Um so moving on, we had the Sixers. Uh the Sixers traded James Ennis um to the Magic and in return the Sixers received a twenty twenty second round pick. Uh ultimately I think the Magic are, are not in a good position right now. Their franchise is, is not doing the best. I don't know when the um, Magic they're having, been, they haven't been good they haven't for been like doing, so long. They haven't been good for quite some time. Um, I don't think this trade really does anything for the Magic. I think it's a great trade for the 76ers because James Ennis, I think he was putting up somewhere between five and six points per game for them. Uh, wasn't a big part of the bench as well as, the, you know, it wasn't a big role in the team. So the fact that the Sixers can accumulate a 2020 second round pick there is pretty good. Uh, you know, Sixers, they have a lot of, between Ben Simmons and uh, Tobias Harris and uh, Embiid, you know, this team should be winning more than they are. I think it's pretty evident that they need shooters, and that's something they really tried to address, as well as some draft picks that really fell off their bench in order to become this powerhouse team that really people expected them to be. So the fact that, you know, it seems like at this deadline, the Sixers really went to attack the fact that they, they attacked the fact that they didn't have shooters and they really tried to make trades that benefited them on that end. So I think it was a really smart trade for them. Uh, Brian? I mean, it seems like a pretty minor trade, but when you can trade, like, a player who really doesn't add much to your team for a draft pick, that's like a win in my book. Mm-hmm. So next trade, uh, February 6th, this is probably, I'd say, the biggest trade, the most impactful trade throughout the entire deadline. Um, so we're going to have, uh, we had the Timberwolves trade with the Warriors. We had uh, the movement between D'Lo and Andrew Wiggins. So going down the line, D 
The Timberwolves received uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Jacob Evans from the Timberwolves. If you remember, they received in that trade, with uh, that four-team trade, they'd trade him again. Yeah. Um, he'll probably be a good piece for the Timberwolves. And they also got Amari Spellman, a uh, Villanova guy. Sad to see him go because he was a very passable, also a Villanova guy. I think the Warriors had a cool Villanova duo right there, and then they broke it up. Yeah. A little pissed at them for that, but, you know, it, it is what it is. NBA's business. Um, in terms of, you know... As I said, D'Angelo Russell, I think, gonna, I think it's a really good trade for the Timberwolves. I think it's going to really set them up to have, have them turn their franchise around because you remember they are, I think, one of the second or third worst team in Minnesota is in the West, I believe. In the West, yeah. For the East, yeah, in the West, okay. The West. Um, yeah, but that's that's how little I know because they're so irrelevant as of right now. Um, so, yeah, they're just a pretty bad franchise as of right now. Cat can only do so much. I think his, tra- his trade's going to be really good for them because Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman are going to be really solid uh, bench guys for them. And D'Angelo Russell, as I said, is, is a really good guard, and I think he'll match well, especially if they get Devin Booker on their roster at some point. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the trade, we had the Warriors. The Warriors got Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 protected first-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick. So I think the Warriors' side of the trade is very interesting. And this is because when you look at it, um, you know people are saying, "Oh, the Warriors were fake with D'Angelo Russell." And Steve Kerr said they were happy to have him at the beginning of the season. He was his fit was questionable at the second half of the season. Ultimately, Steve Kerr, what is he going to say that he didn't want D'Angelo Russell on the team at the beginning of the season when they traded for him? It just doesn't make any sense. And ultimately, Steve Kerr is right now. It wasn't a, you know he wasn't a right fit for them. They have Steph Curry, they have Clay, they have pretty much have their guard slots figured out. And the Warriors are always good at finding guards to run out their bench, so it just didn't make sense to have D'Angelo Russell on the team. Um, and also, I honestly think that this trade makes them even better. Whether they want to keep Andrew Wiggins or not, people are people are saying that they want to trade Andrew Wiggins, hopefully get another big star with the, with the picks that they accumulated to hopefully get another big star again. Hmm. Ultimately, I think the Warriors are better off not doing that and keeping Andrew Wiggins, right? So, so next season, you're going to have Andrew Wiggins, Clay, Steph Curry. You'll have Draymond at the four, as well as Eric Pascal, who's been a very solid rookie so far. And then they had this accumulation of picks. If the Warriors go and draft somebody like James Wiseman or Veron Carey from um, the Duke or, you know, James uh, Anthony Edwards, whoever that may be, a nice big man to round up the center spot, you know, that is a very good team that is built for long-time success because, number one, they're going to hold on to the picks and not trade them away. So when Steph Curry and Clay and their playing that start to decline, you're able to have a nice fresh start in terms of, of reboosting your franchise. But you're also going to have talent to win now. So it just it makes a lot of sense for, for, to me for them to hold on to that those assets. Um, so I think ultimately it was a good trade for both teams. I think that both teams are going to benefit from these trades, whether, you know, whatever, what teams really goes down the line. I think that right now, as we can say, I think both teams definitely benefit from this trade. I think it was a really good trade for both teams. Yeah. I had trouble figuring out who was the winner of the trade. But um, I think the Warriors are in such an interesting position, and we talked about this last week. Like, they're like the worst team in the basketball but next season, when next season comes around, they're back to being the best team, and they're probably going to have a top three pick or top five. Um, so it's a pretty interesting situation that doesn't happen a lot um, in any sport, really, where a team's going to become most likely be the best next season and have a very high draft pick. Um, what else did I want to say? I feel like... Like you said, D'Angelo Russell, I don't think was ever going to be a good fit for that team. With Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, where was D'Angelo Russell going to really go? Even if they were going to put him into a position or put someone out of position to have him in the starting lineup, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are both players that need the ball all the time, and so is D'Angelo Russell. And I guess they were able to figure it out with Kevin Durant, but I don't think they would have been able to figure it out again. 
And if they did, I don't think it would be as good if compared to having a player like Andrew Wiggins on their team who's doesn't need the ball all the time and can still be pretty effective. But other than that, there's not. I don't really have anything else about that. All right. Um, in terms of the few, these, these two next trades are pretty relevant, so I'm just sort of not going to analyze them. Uh, Clippers received the 2022 second-round pick, protected top 55, in exchange for Derek Walton Jr. as a G League player. Um, I think the Hawks are receiving that. The Hawks are going to receive that player, so they assume he might have potential there. Um, the Clippers get a, tw- a second-round pick, so that's pretty decent for them. Um, in the next round of picks, the Hawks get Scal, Libesier, and cash, cash considerations in exchange for a 2024 second-round pick. Um, protect the top D5, you know, not much going on there. I'm just, you know, when players trade for, for non-irrelevant players like Scal, Libesier, I've never heard of him in my entire life. Um, they see some sort of potential in him. Uh, so next it, trade that really had uh, value in terms of now or importance in terms of now. With the 76ers, they wanted up trading with the Warriors. Uh, so the 76ers received Alex, Alec Burks as well as Glenn, Glenn Robinson III. Uh, both players have been really liked up shooters for the Warriors so far this season. Um, and again, that's what the 76ers wanted. And they wanted to have some players off their bench as well as hopefully you know play some good good minutes to really address their shooting issue that they've been having um, in terms of spreading the floor and whatnot. So that's a really good trade for them. So I see them go as well because they were good friends with Eric Pascal. And, you know, I love Eric Pascal, one of my favorite mm-hmm. players, especially because he wants to go on over a rookie. Um, I can go on and on. But uh, and the Warriors, as I said before, they've been stocking these picks. The Warriors received a 2020 second-round pick via the Mavs. The Warriors received a 2021 second-round pick via the Nuggets. As well as the Warriors received a 2022 second-round pick via the Raptors. So the Warriors have a plethora of picks right now. And, you know, if they can trade for a, a superstar without – it really depends on what caliber they player they bring in for Wiggins if they do want to trade Wiggins. But they have a lot of assets right now. And I don't know – you know, having all these second-round picks – I don't know if they're really necessary. You might want to bundle those up to try to move up in the draft. Mm. That might be a good idea. Um, I'll just see where they go with that, but I think it's pretty interesting. The Warriors have all these assets. Yeah. Okay. Um, next pick, uh, the Nuggets traded for uh, Jordan McRae, um, pretty solid player from the Wizards, and the Wizards wind up receiving Shabazz Napier. So if you remember, Shabazz Napier got traded during that 14 trade earlier, and he got moved. Um, moving on from that one. Okay, another big trade right here. Uh, the Heat and the Grizzlies had a trade. Uh, so the Grizzlies received Dion Waiters, Justice Winslow, and Georgie De- Deang from... Okay, yeah, Georgie Deang. Uh, it, was, it was a three-team trade, that's right. Uh, George Deang is from uh, the Wolves. Uh, I know the Grizzlies wa- uh, waived Dion Waiters. They didn't want him. Uh, Justin Winslow... He's pretty young, has a lot of potential. So the Grizzlies, Grizzlies are really trying to build around a young core right now. So it was a pretty good move for them, in my opinion, to have this trade. And they pretty much give up nothing because they had Andre Iguodala on the team. He was not. He was refusing to play for them. Didn't want to play for them. And they wound up trading him to get a nice young talent out of Winslow for him. So it makes a lot of sense for the Grizzlies. And they pretty much gave up nothing. Um, on the other hand, he received Andre Iguodala, who I think is going to be really solid for them. Um, you know, he's going to be a really good defensive guy, a really good leader for the team. Uh, you know, the Heat are going all in in the season in terms of trying to be contenders to win a championship this year. I personally don't think they're going to be able to do it, but I also do think they have a pretty good roster. So we'll have to see how far they go, but it, it'll be pretty interesting with the, with the talent they have on that team. Uh, the Heat also received Jay Crowder, another really good bench guy for them, as well as Solomon Hill. So, you know, three solid players that can really round out their bench. Um, and Andre Goodall might even start, depending on how he plays there, even though he's 37. He's always been a really solid player. And the Timberwolves in, in this three team. 
three-way trade received James Johnson, who's been pretty good for the Heat this season. Um, you know, I think he he's really had he really took a huge step up this year. Um, we'll have to see, you know, in terms of how he does with the Timberwolves. But you know, he is averaging six points per game. He, he was pretty solid for the Heat off the bench. So I'll see where they go from there. So that's that trade. Any comments, Brian? Um, the only thing I really want to say is the Heat are kind of an interesting situation because I know I talk about a lot, like, if you don't really have any, any way of really making it to the championship, which I don't really think the Heat do have, that then there's no reason to go all in. But the interesting thing about the Heat and a lot of other teams in a similar situation is I think they're good enough to make it past the first round and actually have some excitement to their franchise going into the playoffs. And in that case, I do feel like it's necessary to go all in because it's not like it happens all the time where you're going to make the playoffs. And if you can get your franchise behind a team, it's such a cool experience, obviously. Um, but like compared to the Knicks, who aren't anywhere close and some, a lot of the time do, do go all in, they have no reason going all in because they're not going to do anything in the playoffs if they make it in. 100%. So uh, moving on from there. We had the Rockets that wound up trading Jordan Bell, who they received in the trade earlier, and a 2023 second-round pick swap uh, in exchange for Bruno Caboloco. Um, no reason I think the giant, the Rockets got him is going to see sort of potential in him, and he's 6'9". He beats one of the tallest players in our roster, which is really unfortunate because he's not good. Um, don't even talk about that. Just infuriating. Uh, so next, next really big trade, which I think is going to have a huge impact down the line. Uh, really, really interesting trade for Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Clippers and... The Wizards and the Knicks have a three-way trade. Um, so going down the trade, we had the Clippers, who received Isaiah Thomas, who they wound up waving, um, or going to wave. Yeah. The Clippers also received Marcus Morris. Um, so some Marcus Morris, I think he's going to be a really good piece for that team. Uh, the Clippers, I think, in my opinion, they were probably going to be the two-seed. They still might be the two-seed. But in terms of like power rank, they'd be like two in the West. I think this might make them better than the Lakers, yeah. and here's why. Um, so originally they had Mo Harkless who was coming off the bench room at that point. He wasn't, or I think he was playing powerful, whatever it might have been. Um, you know, hasn't really been overly effective for them because they have Zubash, um, Zubak at center. Uh, but right now when you look at the starting five of the Clippers, uh, I think the Clippers have a really good bench between, you know, headlined by Lou Will. So I think they have really good depth there. But in terms of their starting lineup right now, they have Patrick Beverly, who's a solid defender. Uh, Paul George needs no introduction at, at shooting guard. You're going to have Kawhi Leonard at small forward. And then, you, or power forward, wherever you want to put them, you could have, and then you could have Marcus Morris run out the power forward position, and Zubak. I think that team in between Marcus Morris, uh, Kawhi, and and Paul George, you know, the, the amount of length and versatility that you're going to have with that lineup, you know, the best uh, by far the best defending defending lineup in the entire league, as well as they have so much versatility, they can shoot the ball, drive the ball. Uh, you know, the Clippers are the real deal. I think it's pretty interesting to see where that team's going to go with Marcus Morris and the team. Uh, in terms of the Knicks, the Knicks received Mo Harkless, so I think it's a pretty decent forward slash center from the Clippers. Um, I'm hoping the Knicks are, you know, as a semi Knicks fan, I'm hoping the Knicks want a packaging in a deal to get some some younger talents, um, or maybe some picks. I think the Knicks just all in all in on picks, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe package them with like Julius Randle and, and Mo Harkless and get a nice set of picks for him. Again, I'm just all in and going for picks. Um, Knicks got the draft rights to Isuf Senon. Don't know who that is. Uh, the Knicks got the 20, a 2020 first round pick from the Clippers, which I think is really important. I think it's going to be the biggest thing they get out of this. Although it is from the Clippers, so it's going to be a late draft pick. 
which is kind of unfortunate. But I do think you know first round picks are really important, and I think if you can get a you know getting a first round pick out of Marcus Morris is pretty important. So I think it's, it's, that's good for the Knicks again. I'm all in for the Knicks getting picks. Uh, the Knicks got a, a 2020 first round pick swap from the Clippers, and they also got a second round pick from the Clippers via the Pistons. And the Wizards received Jerome Robinson. The Wizards were kind of just a middleman in this. They probably wanted to dump Isaiah Thomas in the draft rights as Isuf Sinan. And they got Jerome Robinson, who I'm assuming they want to fill out their bench with. Um, I'm assuming, you know, Isaiah Thomas has been really up and down throughout his career, so they were looking to dump him. Um, so that rounds out that trade. What do you have to say, Brian, as a Knicks fan? Yeah, um, so I'm kind of in the middle of this trade because I think they could have gotten more from Marcus Morris. In my opinion, Marcus Morris which is odd because he is a veteran, took his game to the next level with the Knicks, and I think he showed a lot of teams that he could be, like, kind of, not a centerpiece, but, like, one of those, like, actual star for a team. Like, if you remember when he was on the Celtics, he was a very good role player, but he was the leader of the Knicks and was averaging, like, 20 points a game and could have been, well, obviously the All-Star game is coming up, but, in my opinion, could have been, close and was probably close in voting to be in the all-star game um and i think they could have gotten more for him but i'm happy they actually made a deal because it seemed for some reason they wanted to hold on to their veterans in the trading deadline or just couldn't find trades and i'm happy they were able to get rid of marcus morris and get a first round pick and i guess i was going to talk about this later but i'll talk about it now the off season that they had last um in this summer um in my opinion and i think a lot of knicks fans it was kind of focused around getting some players after they couldn't get Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, getting, getting some players that could help the younger players develop. And then if the Knicks didn't make a run at the playoffs, trading those veteran players for picks. And uh, they kind of failed at that if that was their plan because they only traded Marcus Morris and they had a lot of other veterans that they could have traded and at least gotten like second round picks for because a lot of these veterans are going to be gone after next season and there's no reason to hold on to them. So disappointed in that sense happy that they did end up making a trade and didn't like have their pride take over and just decide not to make a trade so obviously a Clippers first round pick isn't the greatest but it's at least something 100% yeah um so moving on from that we have the Hawks who reacquired Deadman for Len um Parker so the Hawks receiving this train, Dwayne Denman, uh, second round pick in 2020 and a 2020 second round pick, uh, 2021 rather, second round pick. Uh, and the Kings, they received uh, Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Um, I think Jabari Parker is really interesting. He's had a really up and down career. Um, uh, you know, where this man may may end up, I, I don't know. I do hope to see him, you know, really get, regain the talent that he once had, or I guess the talent he once had, or in the flashes that he, he's once showed. Um, I mean, look at his points per game. You know, he's, he's not bad. You know, he's averaged 12 points per game, 14, 20, 12, 14, 14, 15, 15. He's, he's never really been bad. He's just never been really that great either. Um, we'll just see how he, he ends up with the Kings. Maybe, you know, the fact that the Kings have less talent allow him to shine a little bit better. Although he wasn't the Hawks and he wasn't doing great. Um, maybe the Kings would be the right spot for him. And again, the Hawks are acquiring a lot of picks and they're looking to rebuild around Capella and Trey Young. So, uh, pretty interesting there. Um, any comments on that one, Brian, before I go on to the last pick? No, not really. All right, so last pick, which I think is the biggest steal of the draft, is going to be uh, the Cavs and the Pistons had a trade. Uh, so the Cavaliers acquired Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. and the Pistons received Brandon Knight, uh, John Henson, and 
the least favorable of Golden State's 2023 second-round picks. I assume the Cavs had a hold-up. Uh, ultimately, the Cavaliers got uh, Andre Drummond for a bag of chips. He's the best rebounder in the NBA, but he has, a, he has an opt-out clause at the end of his contract this year. And I think the Pistons were scared that Andre Drummond was going to opt out and leave in free agency for nothing. So I think the Pistons kind of panicked, and they sent him off on his way at the trade deadline. Hopefully he'd have more value, but ultimately I think they screwed up. They were better off testing free agency rather than giving him away for nothing. Because um, now he definitely won't come back there. Where he had definitely had a chance. Because it seemed, you know, after they traded him, it seems like Andre Drummond was upset for being traded. He was really committed to Detroit. And I think, honestly, he probably would have stayed regardless of how Detroit ended up doing this year. Um, so I think it was a really bad trade for them. Um, you know, great trade for the Cavs. Might as well take a shot at him, have him play for the rest of the year, and hopefully resign him if you can impress him. Um, I wish that ultimately the Rockets would have traded for Andre Drummond. If, if I would have known that the Rockets were. And the Rockets acquired Robert Covington and then traded a bag of chips for Andre Drummond. I think the Rockets would have been, off, been in a better place than they were with just Capella. But the fact that they, they didn't do that is kind of upsetting. Um, I did hear the Rockets wanted to get DeAndre Jordan, which I think he would have been better than not having a center. But I definitely would have preferred Andre Drummond. Um, in terms of the Pistons, you know, Brandon Knight's not a bad guard. He's a decent guy for the bench, but the Pistons are not really a contender for anything. So, you know, Pistons, again, pretty much got nothing. You know, the 2023 second-round pick is all right. But other than that, they didn't receive anything good for that trade. What do you think, yeah. Brian? Um, I think that – so one of the things that I was confused about when I first heard about the trade, um, knowing that Andre Drummond could opt out this offseason and also that he has a pretty big contract, I was wondering why the Cavs would want to make a trade like that. But looking into it, the Cavs – Next offseason, no one's going to really want to come to the Cavs. And if they can impress Andre Drummond enough, that can be like their free agency for next season. Um, and it's only going to be another season with him. But maybe he really works out with, um, what's the young guy? The Colin Sexton. Maybe he works out with Colin Sexton. Maybe it's a good duo. Um, and you never know what could happen. So it could be interesting. I think that they did get a total steal. I don't imagine Brandon Knight or who was the other guy? Uh, John Henson are gonna have yeah are gonna have any big rule with the Pistons and the Pistons are nowhere close to contending for anything. So. Mm-hmm. so I guess that rounds out the trades in terms of the NBA. Um, I guess I'll, before you go off for a little Nick stint. Uh, in terms of Rockets news, uh, Rockets have gone one and two since putting uh, PJ Tucker at center. They beat the Lakers, who are one of the best teams in the NBA, go figure by I think a ten point margin. But since then, they just have not been great. Um, it's kind of a disappointing. I, I don't agree with the trade going completely small ball. I think the not Rockets would have been better off at least playing for Capella minimal minutes and then testing it out for a long period of time before that. And, instead of you know maybe I think the Rockets had gone three and one with, with Capella in injury. Uh, having an injury while he was out. So the Rockets said, all right, we can win like this, and they just traded him away instead of, you know, testing it on a longer basis. I think, you know, maybe 15. You can play your Capella for minimal minutes for 15 to 20 games to see how it goes, and then and then maybe trade him from there. I just don't think the Rockets, you know, at the trade deadline, we're stuck like this without a center. It's kind of a detrimental uh, experiment, the fact that we're, you know, possibly uh, we could be a 3C going into the Western Conference Finals. Um, you know, I don't think it was the right move. Um, it's kind of disappointing. You know, I want my Rockets to win. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, you can go to the Knicks now, Brian. Um, 
So, a few little pieces of information, uh, news. So, the Knicks fired Steve Mills, which seems like it was, we already talked about this, but we didn't, it's only, it's, it was during this week. Uh, so they fired Steve Mills, didn't have a president for a little bit. There are new, there are rumors about them going after Masai Ujiri, who's, um, an executive in the Raptors organization, but they would have to make a trade to actually get him, and that could, for, they would have to forfeit some first-round picks based off previous situations like that. Um, so instead, they went and signed Leon Rose, who's a former uh, player agent for CAA, um, to their to be their president. There hasn't been like a lot of news around it, and like it it really isn't official yet because he still has to work out um, getting out of CAA because he's still considered an agent. So they have to finish the separation there. So once that goes through, there'll definitely be a lot of news about that, and if he's going to keep Scott Perry as the GM. Um, and how he's going to round out his executives that'll be around him. What people are saying about him is, which I wouldn't expect anyone to say anything bad, because who would at the, at the beginning? Um, people are saying that he's very organized, he knows what he's doing, um, which I would expect from an agent. He should know the business side of things. And CAA is actually the same uh, agency that Brody Van Wagen worked for, who's now the Mets GM. Um, so... I don't really have any opinions, like, if I think he's going to do good or not. But as an agent, I it is good because he's going to understand the business side of things and maybe can be crafty with things. So that should be interesting. Um, after the Knicks didn't... Whole separate topic now. After the Knicks didn't uh, trade a lot of their older players, um, they've been talking about buyouts, and there's been a lot of rumors about that. Um, one of the players is Bobby Portis, and... He's been very vocal that he doesn't want to be bought out. Um, he's not going to agree to be bought out. He says that he's not a quitter, and he's still pretty young, which I didn't know he was 24 years old. I thought he was an older player. But, um, yeah, he is still young, and he says that if he was bought out, he'd be like the, the youngest NBA player ever to be bought out, and he does not want that to be on his resume. Um, who would? And then, so, I mean, not much more there than just a news story. But the other interesting thing that I was reading about was there was uh, they got the Knicks got very close to trading Marcus Morris for Kyle Kuzma and uh, what was Danny Green. It was very close to being a done deal. Uh, I'm not sure if that was before or after they fired Steve Mills because I know Steve Mills was very close to trading Marcus Morris um, for Kyle Kuzma. So I don't know if that was the deal. But um, I kind of wish they do get, they did get Kyle Kuzma. He, I think he would have been a nice fit for the next young player, um, but obviously that didn't work out, and they're left with a first round pick. But after they didn't make it, they didn't make all the trades that I wanted them to. Um, I'm still somewhat happy that they have that first round pick for next season. Also, off of that, after the trade deadline, well, also be one game before and after they went on a four game winning streak, which they hadn't done since I think it was like 2016 or something like that. So they were playing pretty well. They almost won tonight against the Hawks. So that would have been a five-game winning streak, which they hadn't done since 2013. Um, and I think they're six games back of the eighth seed. So still pretty far away, but maybe there's still a glimmer of hope, even though I don't really want them to go all in and try and get to the playoffs. Um, I think that would be very stupid and, once again, hurting the development of the players. But that's my little Nick spiel. Um, I guess it's college stuff time. All right, college stuff. 
Um, so in terms of college stuff, not much going on with football. Pretty dormant, you know. Um, NFL drafts two months away, so not much going on there. Uh, in terms of college basketball, uh, a lot of good games this week, a lot of big upsets. Uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna, I think we're gonna have a pretty decent shift in terms of the top ten tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. Top tens get released every Monday, um, so we'll see what ends, ends up happening there. Uh, Villanova's going to fall pretty far because we've lost two games in a row, which kind of sucks. Um, in terms of games of the week, I do have two. I guess I'll start with the, the lesser of the two. We had Seton Hall versus Villanova, you know, really big Big East matchup. Uh, Villanova was 10, Seton Hall I think was 12 as of, as of this game. Or, yeah. And ultimately, uh, you know, uh, Seton Hall won it 70-64, really good fall game. Miles Powell is, is insane, uh, really hard fought game, pretty good game, big big matchup, big rivalry, it's a really good game. Uh, second matchup of the week, that I guess the biggest game of the week for me, um, for my game of the week, I, I'm probably going to pick the Duke versus UNC game. Um, Duke was down in this game, I want to say like two or three times by five points with like 17 seconds remaining, or 15 seconds remaining, and Duke came back to tie it to put it into overtime. Um on a buzzer beater behind Trey Jones, and then they ended the game on another buzzer beater in, over, in overtime uh, with a little tip-in. Uh, insane game. Um, you know, I didn't think UNC was going to be able to go, going to be able to beat Duke, but, you know, to even go come this close was pretty insane. I thought it was going to be kind of a blowout. Um, you know, even though UNC is not that great this year, it shows to show, like, a good rivalry game is, is always going to be good, no matter how bad the team is doing this year. Um, so really good game. I'll just see where the teams end up. Um, so that's, that's all there really is for college basketball this week. Um, there's not much, too much major news outside of that. Again, we'll have to see where the top ten, the top ten moves, and or I guess the top twenty-five rankings go. Um, I also, if I remember correctly, the top sixteen seeds of uh, the the March Madness tournament did drop. Oh. Um. So we're gonna um, hold on. I'm just gonna find it real quick so I can announce them. Uh, so going through it, and again, this is all this is all subject to change. I believe. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see where it goes. But rising right now, these are the committee's uh, top 16 seeds. So, um, in the – they don't have what, what – I believe this is Midwest, East. So, this is the South. They didn't have it labeled. I don't know why. Uh, in the South, number one seed, you're going to have Baylor. Number two seed is Louisville. Number three seed is Seton Hall. And number four seed is Auburn. In the West, the number one seed is going to be Gonzaga. The two seed is going to be West Virginia. The three seed is going to be Villanova. The four seed is going to be Oregon. Uh, in the Midwest, uh, number one seed, Kansas. Number two seed, Dayton. Number three seed, Florida State. And number four seed, Michigan State. Um, and then in the final bracket, uh, you're going to have the East. You're going to have San Diego State as number one. Uh, two is Duke. Three is Maryland, and four is Butler. So those are the top 16 seeds as it stands right now. You have three teams in the Big East. Uh, Big Ten, you know, they're, they're there. Um, you know, it's pretty interesting. Three teams are right now. This is all subject to change. Now, pretty much your top 10 seeds are kind of locked in, but outside of that, um, it's all for change. So we'll see where that goes. So that's pretty much all college basketball has to offer this week. Um, do you have any comments, Brian? No. All right, so uh, controversial topic. Uh, my controversial topic, which I guess isn't so controversial, but I just thought it was interesting um, to see what you guys think, as well as peek Brian's brain on it. Um, so in terms of, I just wanted to cover, like, XFL, they have some different rules from the NFL. 
that I think are pretty interesting, uh, considering it's an American league and most of the Americans players play, you know, in Canada, the rules are a little different. The end zones are ridiculously long and, and you can have a running start on offense, which is pretty interesting. But, you know, with the XFL rules are new. Um, they're really applicable to the NFL because of the fact that they, it is so such a league so closely related to the NFL. Uh, so the number two, the number, the two biggest things that, that really piqued my interest in terms of rule changes is number one is going to be the kickoff rules. Uh, essentially for the kickoff, um, you know, the, the receiving, the receiving team stands, the whole entire lineup has to stand across the 30 yard line and the kicking team has to stand, the, you know, beyond the kicker and the, the returner. They all have to stand on the 35 yard line, five yards apart. Uh, the, the kicking team can only charge at the, the guy receiving the ball after he catches it. Essentially, they're five yards apart. It's you know, it's kind of either they score a touchdown or they don't. It's really an attempt to eliminate, um, you know, the big collisions of the player, the kicking team running forty yards down the field at full speed, as well as the other the receiving team running at them that that full full speed head on collision. You know, a lot of yards back. So that's really what it is an attempt to uh, it's an attempt to eliminate that, which I find kind of interesting. Again, but the, the XFL is structured. It seems like it's a player oriented league. Um, you know. They try to put in good safety rules while at the same time trying to keep in like some of the big hits and a lot of the entertainment. So it seems like the XFL, as I said before, I think of doing a really good crossover between, in terms of between like enforcing necessary rules versus not, or, or you know, you know, bending the rules a little bit to net, and then for better entertainment. I, and not even as better entertainment, but play like players, you know, people like football, including myself, we like, we'd like to lay big hits, especially if they're legal ones that are now considered illegal. So I think the XFL is doing a good job there. And the second one is going to be their PAT rules. Um, and for the PAT in the XFL, there's no kicking. It's you take the ball after you score a touchdown, and to, in order to, to gain an extra one point, you have to run a play from the two yard line. You can get two points by running from the five yard line, oh. or you can earn an extra three points by running a play from the ten yard line. Um, so you know, again, no kicking is allowed, and if the defense returns a turnover, it gets however many points for which team the you know the offense is going for. Um, I, I think it's really cool. Yeah, you know, I. Um, it, it can you can honestly you can have in just two possessions you can have an you can have an eighty point turnover in terms of a game so you know that, that's pretty interesting. Um, so that was that was pretty interesting. Um, in terms of the other rules, you could have a double forward pass. Um, there's only a twenty five second play clock, so the so the, the play and now the plays go over a lot quicker. Um, they're trying to shorten the games, make it a little more exciting for the viewer as well as. You know, I don't think anybody likes how far the, the, the professional sports games are getting dragged out nowadays. It, it takes up a lot of time. As well as it's more interesting if you keep it faster. I think the, the NFL does take late too long, so I think it's a good thing for the XFL. So, again, I think the XFL is doing a lot of stuff that, that people are liking, and I think it's, it's really going to contribute to a success. Uh, so, uh, Brian, what do you think about these rule changes? Um, the one thing that I was thinking about is if it's going to be like a AAA version or something like that, which I would imagine it's eventually going to get to, um, and maybe there's no like partnership with the NFL right now between them, right? No, the, the NFL is actually trying to distance itself from the XFL, which oh. I think is one of the main issues that it's going to have is that the NFL will not allow any of the teams to have players in the XFL. Well, the XFL is oh. like I think they're pretty open to having that. So, like, let's say they're on like on the practice squad if they wanted to go play in the XFL during the meantime because they're not really getting enough playing time. They can't. In the NFL, obviously, they can't go do that, which I think huh. would be a really big step if the XFL is able to, uh, you know, have that acquisition happen. Hmm. Okay, because I was going to say, like, if it's going to eventually be like a AAA or they're going to try and make it that, like these different rules, which is happening currently in like the minor leagues and stuff, 
in baseball if there's like a difference like it could be interesting to how it works out into the NFL but if it's not going to be like a triple a version of it then I do like those rule changes because it does make the game much more fun and if it's going to be the other issue that I did have like with like these big hits and everything like it's for protection but it seems like it's a different type of audience that doesn't really care about that stuff and more wants to just Mm -hmm. see the fun of the game and stuff like that which it's definitely more fun than the very soft league that it is right now. Um, I just agree with you. And just going off of what you just said there, I kind of disagree with you in terms of if the rule change, if the rules are different in the NFL, it might cause a problem. Because mm. in the MLB, there's different rules. In co- even in college, college That's basketball true. to college yeah. football, there's different. I mean, college football to college, uh, the NFL football, there's different rules. That's college different. basketball to professional football, there's different rules. So That's definitely true, yeah. But they should be able to adjust. Yeah, that's true. That's my theory. Um, let, let, let me know what you guys think in the, in the comments because it's pretty interesting. I do like the kickoff rule because, like, the huge hits on kickoff are cool, but I'd rather see the see the hits be laid on plays that really matter. Mm. Um, you know, special teams are special teams. I'm okay with the kickoff. You know, being safer for the players. Um, you know, I think it's better. It's a better approach rather than like the NFL saying you can't create a wedge block. Which if you guys don't know what a wedge block is. It's like all the players, all the, the, the receiving team. They all bunch up around where the player who's receiving the ball goes, and they bunch up around him, and they spread out to go block to, to create a path for him. Yeah. Which apparently, um, you know, that caused a lot of injuries to the NFL Bandit. So it's like you can't block in a certain way on a kickoff for safety reasons. I'd rather them readjust like the XFL did, where you're five yards apart and just let them play. I think that's I think it's a b- better approach to it than limiting like how you can block somebody. Yeah. So I think that covers the controversial topic. Let me know what you guys think about that. So that's it for this week's podcast. Nick, final thoughts? Um, You know, pretty interesting week. Uh, A lot of new stuff going on. Uh, Hopefully we get some some spicy news going in next week. Um, You know, I have much to say. A lot of exams this week. I was pretty busy. Um, So life is good. You know, taking my EMT course, learned how to take blood pressure, vital signs yesterday. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. Passed my my exam by one point. There Pretty scary. Yeah, because if you don't if you don't pass the exam, then you got to go take it in a, in a town over the, the following weekend. You may, oh, may or may not have to pay the instructor yeah. extra money. So it's, if you don't pass, it's really a hassle. Yeah. So it's pretty important that you pass your exams. On top of the fact that you're saving lives, but oh, uh, so yeah, that, that covers my week. Uh, hope you guys had a good week. Uh, hand it over to Brian. Um, yeah. Not much to say. Um, school has been going. This is third week now. Haven't had a lot of work, mm-hmm. but that is the beginning of college semesters usually for me. Um, I did start rewatching The Office for, I think, the fourth time now. So that's going pretty good. That's pretty fun. Um, you know, I don't want the jokes to get stale and everything, so I usually give like a six month gap between. Uh, rewatching the office that sounds so bad um but up to my fourth time so we'll see how it goes uh should be exciting stuff it's so bad um other than that not much there baseball starting up soon like spring training i think might start next week not like games and everything but everyone the pitchers and catchers report yeah um so that should be fun other than that not much there um, we'll be back with another pod- podcast next week. Let us know what you thought of this, any comments you have, stuff like that. Also, 
Um, we have a few new writers and possible people that are going to do POVs for our Instagram. So that's exciting. So look out for that. If you have any interest joining us like those people did, um, contact the Sport Universe 2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening.